Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.13 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 26th of April, 2023, and this is episode 713 of Bitcoin. And we got to talk about Jack Dorsey. Yeah, not in the way that you might think, though. Jack Dorsey's Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund prepares for a case that could have wide ramifications for open source developers. Yes, we've got to talk about Craig Wright. Because the mother, mother pugging dude will not stop. He just won't stop. Where the hell is he getting his money? I don't know. Maybe we find out from BTC Casey and Bitcoin Magazine. This is important, guys. So listen up. The Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund, a nonprofit organization co-founded by Jack Dorsey, Alex Morcos, and Martin White is backing 13, count them, 13 Bitcoin core developers who are facing lawsuits from Craig Wright. The cases could potentially have major impacts on the future of Bitcoin and open source software development. 11 of the developers being supported by the fund will file their defense on April the 26th. That's today. Tulip Trading Limited versus Bitcoin Association for BSV. I know it's Bitcoin Satoshi Vision and others in which the developers are named stems from an alleged hack back in February of 2020 that resulted in the loss of 111,000 Bitcoin that Wright claims to own. In February of 2021, Tulip Trading issued a letter before action announcing its intention to take legal action against certain Bitcoin developers to recover the allegedly lost Bitcoin. Should the UK courts rule in Tulip Trading's favor, open source developers could be considered fiduciaries to users of software that they have contributed to, even in projects without any formal assumption of duty or compensation for costs and associated risks. Alex Morcos, the co-founder of Chaincode Labs and the Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund said, quote, the Tulip Trading case threatens not only the MIT license, but also the very notion of freedom of speech, end quote. <clears throat> Wright has also brought a second lawsuit against Bitcoin developers in which he alleges that he is Satoshi Nakamoto, the pseudonymous creator of Bitcoin and thus owns the copyright for the Bitcoin white paper and the database rights for the Bitcoin blockchain. Should Wright be successful, it would, in the eyes of the law, allow Craig Wright ultimate control over the Bitcoin network, a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine says. Oh my God. However, however, it should be noted that Bitcoin is a protocol and a network made up of all its participants worldwide. Bitcoin cannot, cannot, cannot be controlled by any one individual, institution, or government. The law cannot give anyone complete control over the Bitcoin network. Jess Jonas, the chief legal officer of the Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund, said, quote, We believe that these lawsuits are frivolous, but we still have to oppose them vigorously, fighting for the right of developers to create free and open source software without fear of legal retaliation. End quote. Jack Dorsey, CEO of Block and co-founder of the Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund, said, the outcomes of this case are important for everyone, even those who may not be interested in Bitcoin because these lawsuits could have serious detrimental effects on open source development writ large, which will negatively impact our lives in ways we may not even realize until it's too late, end quote. And therein is the crux. It's not really about the, f the fate of Bitcoin going into the future because of this idiot Craig Wright. It could have ramifications on the notion of what is free open source software or just open source software, free or not, I suppose. Uh, the Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund is at, 
Uh, let me pull it up. It's called, it, the website is bitcoindefense.org. That's bitcoindefense, all one word, dot org. Again, bitcoindefense.org. They got a donate button up there, okay? And you can donate with BTC Pay. Or you can donate with USD. It looks like a PayPal thing. I don't know, a PayPal button. Uh, I highly recommend donating uh, Bitcoin with BTC Pay Server. That's that's what I what I recommend. Um, you need to go to BitcoinDefense.org uh, and donate. I'm gonna donate. So it you know donate what you can, or or donate what you think it's worth. But honestly. You know, and and here's and I get what you're saying. Why, Dave? Why? Because it's if if even if he loses all this shit, Craig Wright is gonna start is gonna keep on suing people. I don't know what's going on legally in the United States, the UK, or anywhere any other court system that you drag into this. I don't get why it is that they're taking this cat seriously. Maybe it's just the, a matter of law that it doesn't matter who it is. If they've got a set of lawyers and they're filing the right paperwork, then you can get in and it's never going to stop. It's never going to stop. It's never going to stop. So I still think it's important. I, I do. I mean, as much as this guy is a, a ridiculous clown, Craig Wright is a fraud. Craig Wright is a clown. Craig Wright is a scammer. Craig Wright is a fraud. Craig Wright is whatever it is that Craig Wright is, I guess. But he's not going to stop. He apparently has endless amounts of money to spend. And now I'm starting to suspect that he's being funded by more uh, larger institutional uh, beings and not, uh, and I don't think he's, I'm not sure, but it seems like Calvin Ayer, his sugar daddy, just that he does just doesn't have this much money. I mean, sure, he's you know a millionaire several, maybe even a hundred times over, but I mean, I just I don't see that as being the only source of fundage for Craig Wright. So now I'm starting to look at institutional level money, whether it's government backed, I don't know, but this is coming from somewhere else. And this reminds me, it wouldn't surprise me if this is if he's not being funded by Ripple somehow. Because along with their $5 million buy of all these ads to change the code, quote unquote, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they weren't behind funding uh, the clown show that is Craig Wright. Now, moving on to a larger clown show. First Republic Bank, its shares plumb new depths on report that the government is reluctant to intervene. This is out of Reuters. If you're not following what's going on with First Republic Bank, uh, let me give you a summary. First Republic Bank is the next bank to fall. Now, let me, let me go through my theory. As when SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, and, and Silvergate, and remember that there was the, the trifecta. It was like Silvergate, SVB, and one other bank. And they, they started going down and everybody freaked out. And that's when the U.S., uh, the federal deposit insurance company said, we're going to cover all debts. We're going to cover all deposits. And, and then there's like a $25 billion bank bailout fund. I can't remember, USDF or some bullshit like that. It doesn't matter. Because what really happened, and again, this is opinion. All right. Because they're never going to, if what I say is true, there ain't a hope in hell that you were ever going to find out about that shit through normal channels, right? So what I say, you got to take it with a grain, or if not a whole box of Morton's kosher salt. First Republic was dead the day that SVB died. And there's a hundred more banks, if not more than that, that also died that same day. Now, they had a choice. And when I say they, I mean the Federal Reserve, the U.S. Treasury, the Department of Justice, the SEC, whoever would be involved in this shit. They had a choice. They made the whole thing public. Like, I mean, the collapse in 2008 was everything went south all at once and everybody was reporting on it. They didn't know what to do. All right, well, that 
was organic. I believe the 2008 thing was completely organic. It caught Bernanke and all Paulson and all the rest of them by surprise, right? Is it Paulson? I care. It doesn't really matter. It caught Fed, U.S. Treasury. It caught everybody by surprise, right? It, it was organic surprise. They were like, holy shit. What they learned was that they can't allow this shit to happen again, but they knew it was going to happen again. They kicked the can down the road. There's no, there's no coming back from that. So here we are, you know, uh, whatever, 17, 15, you know, 16 years later or whatever. I can't, I'm not going to do the math. <clears throat> and we, here we are again. We got Silvergate falling. We got Silvergate falling and they come into the rescue. But there's a hundred other banks that died that same day. They just made sure that nobody knew about it. So what are they doing? They're going to let these banks fail one by one in a continuous drip, drip, drip. A very slow trickle of bank failures is on the way. It's not going to be fast. It won't be a torrent. It won't be like a river. It will not be like 2008 because they learned that lesson. They cannot send worldwide fear into the market. So what do they do? They suppress the fact. How they're suppressing it other than just keeping it out of the news. Maybe they're just, I don't know, printing money that we don't know about yet just so that people are able to go to the dead bank that is First Republic right now and it will be several others later on and they can still get their money, right? That kind of suppression. That's what I, what I suspect is going on. And now it's time to let the first of a next hundred banks fail. And then it will be two weeks later, maybe three, and the next one will fail. And then maybe a week later, the next one will fail. And they will just spread. They're taking 2008 and they're expanding the timeline. That's what I think is happening. Okay, so let's get into it. This is written again by Reuters. Uh, Niket Nishant is writing the actual article. First Republic Bank's market value plunged below $1 billion for the first time ever yesterday, which was Wednesday, after a report said that the U.S. government was unwilling. No, actually, Wednesday is today. Sorry. After the U.S. government said it was unwilling to intervene in the rescue process, hammering the lender stock. After a brutal sell-off, the bank's market capitalization was about $886 million at its lowest on Wednesday, a far cry from its peak of more than $40 billion in November of 2021. United States government officials are currently unwilling to intervene in the First Republic rescue process, CNBC reported, citing sources. The bank has been looking at several options, such as selling assets or the creation of a, quote, bad bank, a source familiar with the matter told Reuters on Tuesday. The bad bank possibility is a crisis-type method of isolating financial assets that have problems. Yeah, you're talking about toxic debt. Trading in First Republic shares were halted multiple times. The stock was last down nearly 30% at $5.00 and 66 cents a share. First Republic's advisors have already lined up potential purchasers of new stock in the lender if they can fix the bank's balance sheet, a report said today. However, analysts have highlighted several roadblocks which could complicate rescue efforts for the San Francisco-based lender as it looks to emerge out of the crisis sparked by an outflow of more than $100 billion in deposits in the first quarter. Quote, the First Republic assets will be sold, but it may take some time and could be sold at a pretty severe discount to par, David Wagner, portfolio manager of Aptis Capital Advisors, said. At least three brokerages have cut their price targets on First Republic shares since it first reported first quarter earnings on Monday. Quote, First Republic's problems are likely idiosyncratic and they obviously have a painful path in front of them. Art Hogan, chief market strategist at B. Riley Wealth in Boston said, a string of earnings report from regional banks last week had reassured investors, but the banking sector has come under renewed pressure following First Republic's results. The KBW Regional Banking Index, the KRX, has lost 4.4% so far this week. So I think, I really do believe it is the case that First Republic Bank died the day that SVB did. But nobody was going to know about that until yesterday when that bank share started falling off a cliff. And then it started continuing today. 
First Republic is gone. If you've got money in First Republic, I hopefully you were able to get it out. I don't know what else to do on that one, but First Republic is dead. You know, FDIC said that they're going to guarantee everybody, or at least, I guess, kind of, sort of. Who knows what they actually said? Is anybody even listening anymore? No one's surprised that First Republic went under. No one is surprised. I, you know, I don't know, Am I don't know. <clears throat> I'm not worried about it, though, because why? I buy Bitcoin, I hold Bitcoin. Speaking of, Bitcoin at banks. Rafislanders Bank <laughs> to offer crypto investment services. Helen Parts, Cointelegraph. There's no way I can pronounce the name of this bank. So I'm just going to say Bank, an Austrian cooperative banking company founded in 1900, 123 years old, is preparing to launch crypto investment services in collaboration with the Austrian crypto firm Bitpanda. Well, according to a joint announcement on April the 26th, RLB plans, that's the name of the bank, R, we'll call it RLB. RLB plans to provide its customers with a broad range of cryptocurrencies through Bitpanda software as a service offering. Crypto investments will be featured alongside investment services for stocks, exchange-traded funds, precious metals, and commodities. Quote, the deal with Bitpanda aims to expand our product range with an innovative a uh, secure facet and enable all customers to easily accumulate wealth, RLB CEO Mar Michael Holler said, as part of the major Austri Austrian banking group Reifsen Bank International is moving into cryptocurrency investment with a new planned offering. The new offer aims to allow RLB customers to invest in various assets regardless of the amount of available capital, enabling investments from as little as one euro. Bitpanda Deputy CEO Lucas Isendorfer Conrad told Cointelegraph that RLB wants to make the new trading option available to all customer segments. Uh, therein, private banking and corporate customers of RLB. He also said that both RLB and Bitpanda are committed to making crypto trading available as soon as possible. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, Bitpanda hooking up with an Austrian bank uh, to offer Bitcoin. And of course they're going to offer shit coins because they're never going to go away, but it is, you know, it is what it is now on to Bitcoin magazine. Uh, we got this one written by Hungu Mart, uh, as an, ex sorry, as an expression of pure mathematics, Bitcoin has changed the nature of money. Bitcoin is often praised for its innovative design its resistance to censorship and corruption, and its potential to revolutionize global financial systems. But beyond these practical aspects, Bitcoin also has a deeper philosophical dimension. In this vein, Bitcoin can be seen as an expression of pure mathematics, a manifestation of the beauty and elegance of mathematical logic and principles. Pure mathematics is the study of mathematical concepts independent of any real world application. Pure mathematicians are interested in logic, basic principles and the properties and structures of abstract objects and their findings may originate from practical problems or be put to use for practical solutions, but they are working from a more philosophical viewpoint than applied mathematicians are. One way that Bitcoin expresses pure math is through its use of algorithms and protocols. Bitcoin relies on a set of rules and procedures that are defined by mathematical equations and functions. These rules and procedures govern how transactions are validated, how new Bitcoin is created, how the network reaches consensus, and how the system adapts to changing conditions. These algorithms and protocols are transparent, deterministic, and verifiable. They ensure that Bitcoin operates in a consistent and predictable manner, regardless of human intervention or manipulation and are ultimately independent of any specific real world environments or attempts at disruption. Another way that Bitcoin expresses pure math is through its use of cryptography. Cryptography is the science of encoding and decoding information using mathematics, and it is considered by many to be one of the most powerful applications of pure mathematics. Bitcoin uses cryptography to protect the privacy and security of its users and their transactions. For example, Bitcoin uses public key cryptography to enable users to generate unique digital signatures that prove their ownership of Bitcoin. Uh, 
It also uses hash fun functions to create cryptographic puzzles that miners have to solve in order to add new blocks to the blockchain. And these cryptographic methods are based on well-established mathematical theories and assumptions. Bitcoin is more than just a currency or a technology. While it is essentially open source software, its application of pure mathematics also makes it a form of art and expression that showcases the beauty and power of this philosophical field. By using mathematical logic and principles to create a decentralized and secure system, Bitcoin demonstrates how mathematical concepts developed purely for their philosophical merits can be applied to solve real-world problems and challenges. By using mathematical techniques and methods to protect the privacy and security of its users, Bitcoin shows how math can be used to enhance human rights and freedoms. By using mathematical symbols and representations to encode and manipulate information, Bitcoin reveals how math can be used to communicate and create meaning. Bitcoin is an expression of pure mathematics that appeals to both the rational and the aesthetic aspects of human nature. It challenges us to think critically and creatively about the nature and role of money, information, and trust in our society. It invites us to appreciate the beauty and elegance of mathematical logic and principles that underlie its design and operation. It inspires us to explore the possibilities and potentials of pure math in our world. So there you, that's a, a it, we forget a lot of times about what Bitcoin actually is. And when you get right down to it, it ain't nothing but math. It's just pure math. How we associate ourselves with the mathematical processes that make up Bitcoin, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. If it wasn't for humans and somehow or another Bitcoin just was a thing, that like, I mean, well, actually, here's, here's the real philosophical thing. Bitcoin existed before anybody discovered it. Because the mathematical concepts that designed, that allowed Bitcoin to come into being were already there. In fact, all that math that we were just talking about was created at the big boom, right? The expansion of the universe. The first four forces of nature came into being in the, I can't even, there's not even a name for how long it took the, the first four forces, right? We're talking fractions of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second and just keep on adding fraction of a fraction to about 10 billion times and that's when you get gravity out of after the big boom that's when you get the, the electromagnetic force that's when you get the strong force that's when you get the weak force writ large inside was everything everything that was to be everything that could ever be everything that is was writ large then. Bitcoin was invented seconds. Well, okay, fraction of a fraction of a fraction of seconds, whatever. After the big boom. Because all mathematics were created there. All physics were created. All chemistry. Everything that was ever going to happen, whether you can touch it or not, was created back then. Bitcoin is as old as the universe. It just took us a while to find it. I mean, what do you expect? It's like turning over every grain of sand on a beach. Eventually, you're going to find a jewel. And we found it. Its name is Bitcoin. So buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin. All right. <clears throat> this I should have put behind uh, the Craig Wright story, but I, I didn't because I, I don't know why. I, I guess I wasn't thinking. But Martin Young is writing this one for Cointelegraph. Bitcoin white paper quietly removed by Apple from latest Mac OS beta, according to a report. The world's largest tech company has quietly removed the Bitcoin white paper from the latest beta version of its operating system upgrade. On April the 25th, the Apple-focused news site 9to5Mac reported that the big tech firm had removed a test scanner app called Virtual Scanner 2 in the latest Mac OS Ventura 13.4 beta and subsequently the Bitcoin white paper is now gone. As reported by Cointelegraph, an April 5th blog from the technologist Andy Bao revealed that a PDF copy of Satoshi Nakamoto's Bitcoin white paper PDF had shipped with every copy of Mac OS for the past five years. The document was found within Virtual Scanner 2 in macOS. Nobody knew why it was there, but it was suspected to be just a joke amongst Apple engineers, the report added. 
Other wilder conspiracy theories have emerged, such as Apple co-founder Steve Jobs being Satoshi Nakamoto. That's I'm, I just think that's complete bullshit. However, Apple clearly didn't see the funny side and has now removed the document from the latest version of the Mac operating system. The white paper was in a folder within the image capture app and other seemingly random files such as PDFs and images. 9to5Mac uh, commented, quote, this pretty much confirms our original theory that both the Bitcoin white paper and the internal tool were never meant to be found by regular users, end quote. In a related development, a California court has ruled the tech giant violated state competition laws by preventing developers from using alternative in-app payment methods. In true Apple fashion, the firm tried to force NFT creators and developers to use its own payments platform where they would be charged a 30% commission. All right, so that has nothing to do with it. Um, so now I guarantee you the BSV guys are gonna be saying this, look, Apple's scared of Craig Wright. That means that he's powerful. I don't think that's why Apple did it. Dude, if, if this, the whole thing seemed to be the, the virtual scanner too, it was a test scanning app, it was a test. As far as I know, this thing was never meant to be out in the wild in the first place, much less any of the PDFs that the app itself contained. If I was somebody who was building major, you know, operating systems that were being shipped out all over the world and somebody brought to my attention that there was a, an appendage that was not being used, I'm going to delete it for efficiency's sake. Because if it's not being used, it was never meant to be used, nobody's actually using it, I, it doesn't make sense for it to be there. It's like, you know, humans and, their, and our, our appendix. That's why they call it an appendage, right? Our appendix is, is not used anymore. It's, it doesn't do anything. Now, because it costs so much to go into each individual human and remove that thing surgically, Nobody does it until it causes a problem, but for somebody like Apple and you're dealing with an operating system that's running millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of computers, that appendage could cause problems. And if you find out about it, you will remove it. I don't think this had anything to do with being scared of Craig Wright. I think it was like they were killing two birds with one stone. They didn't have to divert their legal resources to do anything about Craig Wright. And they got rid of an appendage that made no sense in its existence in the first place. Nevertheless, I do wish that Apple would have removed the app and somehow or another left the Bitcoin white paper resident in their Mac OS so that they would be able to look at Craig Wright and say, we're not going to put up with your bullshit either. But they didn't. And I understand why. I, can I prove that it's because they're not scared of Craig Wright? I know. But honestly, if you've got that kind of legal department, you're pretty much not scared of Microsoft. Okay. You're pretty much not scared of Amazon. You're not scared of Adobe, which they made very clear years and years and years ago when they said, you know what? We're just not supporting Flash. This is bullshit. And that was when Steve Jobs was alive, if I if I remember that correctly. But they basically just gave the finger to Adobe over the whole Flash uh, player thing, and they weren't scared. They weren't going. There was not going to be an anti-competition lawsuit from Adobe, and Adobe's huge. Adobe's massive, and there very well could have been a legal battle on that one. Nobody's nobody's going to go up against Apple. Like they're, they don't like Netscape trying to go up against Microsoft. They got freaking hammered, right? They got crushed. It is what it is. But I don't think this has anything to do with being scared of Craig Wright. Although I have not actually heard any stories, but if there are any stories about the fact that they did this because they're scared of Craig Wright, I guarantee you it's in CoinGeek. And I don't read anything from CoinGeek out of a matter of ethics. Let's run the numbers. CNBC futures and commodities. I got West Texas Intermediate down a third of a point to $76.84. Brent North Sea is down two thirds of a point to $80.27. Natural gas, doing what natural gas does. It's down seven and a half points. Oh my God. $2.13 uh, per thousand cubic feet. 
Gasoline is up a third, however, after all this bullshit, uh, to $2.59. I suspect that you're going to see OPEC plus cuts in oil production again. If you think about where we are in this weird world that we live in, you've got this massive pressure on all these banks. In the United States and the West, okay, this is basically all the West, right? We've worked ourselves into a little pickle. So we've got this massive financial structural issue of basically a building falling down around our ears. You've got people in whole countries abandoning the United States dollar to trade in their own currencies or the currencies of other groups or countries like the BRICS. You got France buying liquefied natural gas in what I can, uh, in, in what euros? I can't remember what they pay, how they paid, but they bought it from Saudi Arabia. They did whatever they paid in. It wasn't the United States dollar. Then you've got the inflation aspect of what's going on in the West. What's a good way to keep that pressure on if you are another country? Well, if you have control of major amounts of oil production and you want to squeeze the living shit out of Europe and Canada and the United States, you're going to cut your production. Because as long as you can keep, if you can do whatever you can to keep oil and gas high in price, then all of that is delivered to who? the United States citizen when we go and buy Wonder Bread, right? They have a lever that directly affects every American, every Canadian, and every European, and this includes Australia too, by the way. Although Australia is probably going to bail and go to the BRICS, uh, mark my words. Uh, but for right now, they can just move that lever and they can make all these people hurt, which means that they have what? They have political influence over Washington, D.C. and the European Union. I'm just saying. So I fully expect OPEC plus to cut production again. Metals, uh, pretty much everybody's doing well except for gold. It's down a third to back below 2000, 1998 is the price of gold per ounce. Silver is up scant. Platinum is up a half a point. Copper is up a quarter of a point. And palladium is up almost two points. Ag is fully mixed. Our biggest winner today is going to be coffee up 1.73%. Biggest loser today is going to be wheat at 0.77% to the downside. I got live cattle down a quarter of a point. Lean hogs are up uh, 0.4%. And feeder cattle down a quarter of a percent. Dow is down 0.18%. S&P is up, but scant, 0.09. Uh, NASDAQ is up 1.19% because a whole bunch of tech companies had apparently rocking quarters. I don't know how. Uh, S&P mini is down a quarter of a point. Real money had a boost, $29,770. So we're kind of back to where we were. I do. Will it stay? I don't know. I'm I'm not a big I'm not a Bitcoin oracle. I I don't know what the hell it's going to do, but I do know that 276,000 BTC were sent around the horn in the last 24 hours. 0.61 BTC was the average transaction value, and 0.005 BTC is the median transaction value. That's 164 bucks. That's half of where it should be at minimum. What's going on? What what's going on? Well, people are not wanting to spend their Bitcoin is what it sounds like to me. Uh, block times are high, 10 minutes and 35 seconds. I got 0.2 BTC as a reward on a per block basis and uh, 30, holy shit, 30 BTC in fees in the last 24 hours. Uh, the other one should have been uh, fees as well, not rewards. So 0.22 on a per block basis in fees, 30 BTC in fees overall in the last 24 hours with a 4.15% decrease again in hash rate. We're all the way down to 320.6 exahashes per second. Dogecoin getting a bump, which means all your altcoins are bumping as well. Why? Because Bitcoin rules them all. 8.2 United States pennies. 
We have now a $576.2 billion market cap. That's 4.3% of gold's entire market cap. You may purchase damn near 15 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,356,711.96 of, and 5,377.14 of those are in the Lightning Network valued again, finally again, at $160.1 million sporting 73,983 payment channels that we know about and 65.9% of all of that is going over Tor. Well, it looks like we are going to be getting a minus 3.9%, I guess I should say negative, negative 3.9% estimated difficulty change on May the 4th be with you. Uh, what does a mempool look like? <laughs> Mempool.spaces mempool is looking pretty full. Looking pretty full, guys. In fact, we're looking at 36 blocks. No, shit. Uh, 45 blocks. That's what it looks like. 45 blocks holding 125,000 unconfirmed transactions. It looks like those transactions are going anywhere between 26 Satoshis per V-byte and 30 Satoshis per V-byte for the highest priority. Uh, that's going to be a buck two five to get your SegWit standard transaction into the next block. Good luck to you, pal. Good luck to you. That's going to be the weather report. All right. Um, I have a sneaky suspicion that fountain charts may be broken. They've been broken before, uh, but I think that they're, pro they're probably broken again. Let me just refresh just to make sure, because I'm still number one. And I don't think that that's right. Because if I go down to rabbit hole recap and I look at their boostergrams, um, I'm seeing heavy, like 100,000 uh, Satoshi uh, 11,000 Satoshis, you know, 21,000 Satoshis. I don't get anywhere close to those kinds of boosts. So I'm pretty sure that rabbit hole recap is actually above me at least. And I may very well be down at the bottom of the list, but for whatever reason right now, fountains got me listed at number one and I can't see anybody's boosts at this point, right? I can't even see I can see the amount given to rabbit hole recap episodes, but I don't know the name and I can't see the boost. So it looks like the whole system is broken. If anybody out there has got the ear of Oscar Mary, could you please tell him to get somebody from his crew to take a look at the charts and the ability to look at boostergrams? This is all on the web version. Because over here on the actual app that I got on my iPhone, I can read the boosts. It's just a little bit more difficult, which is why I try to utilize the web version. But from yesterday's uh, yesterday's show, which was 712, Nick underscore dose with 4,567 sats says cheers and pleb hodl, sorry, pleb hodl uh, with 100 sats says appreciate your work, Bitcoin brother. I uh, appreciate you giving me the boost. Now here's Dale Jr. with a 20,000 sats. Now this is back from show episode uh, 711. Says, here's to you continuing your exit strategy. No time clocks for you. Now to figure out mine, keep talking about Bitcoin. Thank you, dude. That's very appreciated. Uh, a boob, boob boost from Nat Gassimerson. Wait, natural gas. Immersion, yes, Nat Gas Immersion with a boob says, subscribe to the Survival Podcast. Thanks for all you do. I'm glad that uh, I was able to get uh, Jack Spearco, another listener. Maybe uh, uh, maybe I'm better at the sales thing than I think. Uh, Kalamona with a striper boost says, Yopon Holly is the only plant that grows in temperate climates that produces caffeine. I actually knew that, but I didn't remember it until he said that. I do remember, I do remember reading about that shit. It's yeah. It, Yopon Holly is a, is kind of bizarre. It's, it's pretty and it does produce caffeine. Uh, but I would rather just roast. Honestly, I'd rather just roast coffee beans. JC Denton with a row of ducks. 22, 22 says, I absolutely love all the development activity on top of Nostra. It feels like every day we have something new and exciting to play with. Yeah. No kidding. And with God's death uh, with a thousand sats, says Zapster.live 
I can sign in, question mark. Is there a Zapster for dummies, uh, i.e. me? Uh, you have to use, uh, Zapster.live is, is a web browser and they do not have the ability. They did not put in the ability for you to put in your private keys. You have to rely on GitAlby or NOS2x, some kind of browser extension that handles your private public key pair to be able to sign into Zapster.live, at least right now. Remember, all this shit is always brand new. Things could change. Things could have already changed. I looked at it earlier today. It still didn't have the ability to do anything other than like a, a, an extension, a login. It could have changed already. That's how fast shit moves around the, these parts. So just understand that as far as I know, and as far as I know right now, you've got to use a browser extension that handles your private key. Again, I use GitAlby. Other people use NOS2x. I have never had a problem with GitAlby. I know nothing about NOS2x, but I hear the same thing from users of their of theirs that they've had no problem. They, it's it doesn't seem to be leaky. I know people don't like uh, browser extensions, but in certain cases, especially in cases like Nostr, where I really want to test something, I use a browser extension. So you do what you want. Nick underscore dose with 369 says, cheers. 11 or 111 from Mab says, for only 111 sats per show, you too can support Nunya from a mind numbing job that won't let him talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> that would be awesome, dude. Thank you. Dale Jr. with 100 sats says, not necessary to read on the air. Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, the last several boosts from here are showing an error for your portion. That's, yeah, I don't know. Again, I think a lot of what's going on with like errors and boosting. Sometimes I get big boosts and I don't actually see them come in. Um, and hopefully they're bouncing back to you guys. Everybody here has to remember that we're kind of running with scissors as Adam Curry likes to say, when it comes to testing out and, and exploring new things. And we're bound to put an eye out at one point or another, but we've been reckless for years now with the onset of the lightning network. And now we've got Noster, and now we've got all these weird integrations. Expect shit to break. If you don't, if you expect shit to work in this environment, then this is not the environment for you. Okay. Now I'm not bitching at Dale Jr. This this isn't about him. I'm just saying that as I get messages like this that say, "Yeah, well, you know, this didn't work and this didn't work." It's just all part of where it is that we live right now. And honestly, I rather find it exciting. I don't want to be in a world anymore where everything just works. I know that sounds stupid, but I've got to the point where this is more important. Finding the problems, letting the people who can do something about the problems know that there's a problem. That's where we, that's where I want to live. I don't want to live in the white picket, you know, in the house with the white picket fence with the four cars outside and Two trips every, you know, every year, one of them to Europe and we go to like Disneyland and Disney World. And I mean, I just don't want to be part of that anymore. Not that I ever went to Disney World, but I'm just, I'm, you, you see what I'm getting at. Uh, Lupin with 100 sat says, oh, this is what I was bringing you yesterday. Here's the guy. Lupin at Lupin with 100 sat says, hi, David, Swiss guy here. Cool to hear some positive views of Switzerland. Things are slip sliding away here, alas. There's no requirement to hold arms, but anyone without prior conviction can get a gun. And with an in-depth background check, you can even get an automatic or semi-automatic firearms. Plus, every male Swiss citizen is required to do military service, and you got to take care of your own gun, semi-automatic in the military specification. During the entire years, you're doing service, and that's around 10 years. Cheers. So there you go. Direct, well, I direct from the Swiss guy's mouth. Do I know that, do I absolutely know that he's Swiss? No, I don't. I can't prove it. And I'm just not, I'm just going to trust him because trust still exists. Even if I'm a Bitcoiner, there are times when I have to trust shit and I'm just going to go ahead and trust him. Now let's get on with the rest of this. The Noster report. Liz, I'm just going to try to do the whole Noster report and see how it works. Okay. 
So this is Noster.report on the web. And here is their last Noster report that they released on Noster. The Noster report. Is it Lana Del Rey? April the 25th, 2023. Block height 787-015. Moscow time 35-32. Quote of the day. So is it Lana Del Rey or not? Fiat Joff. Now, uh, Pleb Chain Radio this week will feature Weiss Mueller, video journalist and commentator at Reason. QW will be sharing videos showing Zach's work each day this week leading up to the show on Friday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. UTC time is minus four at nosternest.com. Pleb Chain Radio, all one word. Uh, DMNYC says... Check out Bitcoin for Bunnies, second issue, learn all about UTXOs. Walker says, Walker drops some incredible Noster stats, including 475,000 users on Noster, 598,000 zaps spent or sent, 84.2 Bitcoin zapped. Holy shit, 84.2 Bitcoin? Mm, That's got to be wrong. I don't know. Maybe it's right. 53.6 million public notes and 97 million total events. Holy shit. Man, Noster's kicking some butt. Uh, Ishbit, check out this excellent recap of the Client Wars NIP94 controversy and the implications it has on Noster protocol moving forward. Pablo F7Z announces that he's stepping back from his role at Swan Bitcoin to focus fully on Noster. Rockstar, learn about why Uvita was chosen as the location for Nostrica. Now, most of these have, you know, like a, uh, what am I trying to say? A URL associated with it, but I'm not going to read them. I'm just trying this out, okay? Just bear with me. Odell, read the story about how a vulnerability in the Trust Wallet browser extension, Binance, was discovered and reported by the team at Ledger. This is the worst case scenario of a crypto bug. Compromised accounts forever. Again, that was the whole thing going on with wallet browser extension. Jack says, fake Toshi continues his attack on open source development. Jack urges us to support using the Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund. And that's, again, Bitcoin Defense, all one word, dot org. Bitcoin Defense, all one word, dot org. And there's just, I mean, these, uh, these are, wow, this is a very, very long report. So I'm going to figure out, I got to figure out a way to, to condense the Nostra report. It's just going to take me a while to figure out how to do this. Okay. So just bear with me as I, as I do, in fact, figure all of this out. Now back into the general news Amboss raises $4 million in seed funding for Lightning Network products and AI research. Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey. Amboss Technologies, a data analytics firm focused on the Bitcoin Lightning Network, has raised $4 million in seed funding from Stillmark and several other venture capital firms, including Valor Equity Partners, Draper Associates, Fulger Ventures, and Ridewave Ventures. A press release shared with Bitcoin Magazine describes how Amboss uses data analytics and a social component to enable users to make strategic decisions on routing payments across the Lightning Network. The company says that the funding will go towards its efforts in AI research and product development. Uh, Quote, by leveraging AI and machine learning, Amboss can add intelligent decision-making tools to their product offering that will help drive node and channel management automation. Oh, this might actually be something that's worthwhile. Jesse Schrader, co-founder and CEO of Amboss, stated that, quote, the data analytics platform we've built with Amboss showcases the many advantages of the Lightning Network as a community-controlled financial system. Our drive to optimize payments with machine learning has attracted strategic investors who understand Lightning's significant disruptive potential and our role in perfecting global payments. Payment reliability is of critical importance to the enterprise and institutions now considering, currently using, or actively preparing to onboard to the Lightning Network in 2023. 
These businesses are seeking the superior efficiency and availability of Lightning compared to other payment protocols generally and traditional payment systems, specifically uh, Stillmark Managing Partner Elise Colleen said. And she praised Amboss for providing advanced products that provide a simpler experience of Lightning and one that more closely fits existing client business parameters. According to the press release, 30% of the network's nodes are registered on its platform, noting specifically that this includes nodes hosted by industry leaders like Kraken Exchange and Jack Dorsey's lightning-focused block subsidiary, TBD. Quote, Amboss has pioneered incorporating a social layer into its platform featuring community groups, message boards, reputational scoring, and social sharing, the press release said. Quote, in the evolving $9 trillion digital payment industry, Amboss's momentum highlights the transformative benefits of the Lightning Network's round-the-clock availability, low transaction costs, and enhanced privacy. All right, so they're talking about, if you missed it, you're, they're talking about using artificial intelligence to help do stuff like balance channels, maybe even select better channel partners better node routing, all right? This, I kind of don't mind as long as Amboss keeps their ever-loving shit together and not let this thing get out of control. If they can keep this thing in a box somehow and make sure that it's really doing what they need it to do and not just throw AI against the wall and see if it sticks, because it will stick, and if you do it wrong, it'll excrete like molecular acid and eat through the wall and blow everybody out into space. Right? That's, I mean, that's the danger of AI, especially where we are with it right now. But, but, but if, if I could be sure that using Amboss AI could go through my node and make suggestions on how to better balance the channels or better routing, Dude, I would definitely look at that. So good on Amboss for doing that. And if you're not using Amboss, it's a, it. I've been using Amboss for a year to look at stuff like my node and how it's connected and uh, help other people, you know, find other channel partners and find channel partners for other people. When they ask, I'll always send them like to an Amboss link. I just discovered, you know, I just discovered that you can talk to some of your channel partners over Amboss through their social layer and all that stuff, right? If you haven't checked out Amboss, A-M-B-O-S-S, -S, just type it into Google or whatever the hell it is you use. You'll, you'll find Amboss. Go check it out. I've been using them, like I said, I've been using them for years to, to look at stuff. Now, I guess I was talking yesterday about Binance and Voyager. Apparently that shit's fallen through too. Maybe it was last Friday. Who knows? I can't remember when I was talking about it. But this is out of Decrypt, Andre Bogansky. Binance US walks away from Voyager deal, citing regulatory uncertainty. Binance US walked away from its deal to acquire Voyager Digital's assets Tuesday, reversing course after the deal was already approved by a judge in bankruptcy court. In an announcement on Twitter, Voyager described the roughly $1.3 billion restructuring deal's termination as disappointing, signaling it would swiftly return value to customers via direct distributions. Binance U.S.'s about face parallels a deal that fell through between the exchange's international affiliate and the cryptocurrency exchange FTX back in November. FTX's founder and former CEO Sam Bankman-Fried said he had secured a deal with Binance as his business careened towards bankruptcy, but Binance ultimately walked away. However, <clears throat> Binance U.S. axed its deal to acquire Voyager's assets due to what it described as a hostile regulatory climate as opposed to any qualms regarding the agreement's financial viability, a spokesperson told Decrypt. Quote, while our hope throughout this process was to help Voyager's customers access their crypto, uh, the hostile and uncertain regulatory climate in the United States has introduced an unpredictable operating environment impacting the entire American business community, the spokesperson said further. Voyager was among numerous crypto firms to collapse last year after the swift implosion of Terra Luna, Terra's, sorry, swift implosion of Terra's Luna and UST tokens. The crypto broker entered Chapter 11 bankruptcy last July. Direct disbursements 
were an alternative method of offering Voyager's creditors some form of reprieve, and the contingency was approved in March by Judge Michael Wiles, alongside an attempt on behalf of Voyager to sell its assets to the American affiliate of Binance. However, a slew of regulators objected to the deal. That included the SEC, the Federal Trade Commission, the Texas State Securities Board, and the Texas Department of Banking. The United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York, Damian Williams, was also against the deal. He called it blatantly illegal for those facilitating the acquisition to seek legal protection from the possibility of civil and criminal charges. And last month, a separate judge put the deal on pause until U.S. Justice Department's appeal against Judge Wiles ruling could be addressed. Binance's United, sorry, Binance U.S. retreat comes after its international affiliate landed in hot water with regulators. The CFTC unveiled a lawsuit against Binance last month, accusing the leading cryptocurrency exchange by volume of violating derivatives rules. Some who followed Voyager's bankruptcy case, such as Cherokee acquisition manager Vladimir Jelicevic, believed the deal likely to fall through prior to the CFTC lawsuit because it was subject to various regulatory approvals. Quote, I believe that Binance U.S. made the announcement because U.S. regulators made it clear that they would not support an acquisition, he told Decrypt at the time. So, yeah, honestly, I wouldn't want to have anything to do with the United States regulatory environment at this point either, especially when it comes to Bitcoin. Even though I live squarely in the middle, well, no, no longer squarely in the middle, but I do live in the United States. And I see exactly why nobody wants to do business with us. We're insane. And so honestly, so is Europe. Europe's insane too. All right. So nobody gets out of this shit alive. And if the United States keeps being stupid about stuff, then nobody's, I mean, they're just, however long we're stupid about stuff is exactly the same amount of time that people in the rest of the world just don't want to do business with us and will only do business with us if we're pointing a gun at them. And that's starting to fall through the cracks because Saudi Arabia is working deal with, deals with France to buy liquid natural gas, and they're not using the United States dollar. And neither is China, and neither is Russia, and neither is a whole other slew of countries, and more are going to join. The BRICS is going to almost be like NATO, except it's not a military protection pact. It's an economic pact, and it's going to make the European Union look very, very small in comparison, probably by before the end of this year. So be prepared for all that shit. But yeah, I wouldn't want to do business with United States citizens or companies either. Not unless you're actually a United States company doing business with another United States company or a United States citizen doing business with a United States company, then it's easy, but that excludes everybody in the world. And I can't, I mean, nobody wants to do business with me from some like New Zealand because they don't want the SEC sending the United States Ronald Reagan or United States ship Ronald Reagan out after him. Because apparently that's how we control other countries to do our, I don't care. Moving on, BTC Casey. Bitcoin Magazine Books Releases, The Philosophy of Bitcoin. Bitcoin Magazine Books, the publishing branch, the book publishing branch of BTC Incorporated, has announced the release of The Philosophy of Bitcoin by Alvaro de Maria in English. The book was originally published in Spanish back in 2022 as La Filosofia de Bitcoin and received much attention for its unique exploration of Bitcoin's disruptive nature to civilizations. Ellen Sullivan, the publisher of Bitcoin Magazine Books, said that it's a great privilege to work with Alvaro and to deliver his groundbreaking work to English-speaking readers. Quote, We plan to honor that commitment with a launch that we hope will be heard around the world. Everyone, Bitcoiners or not, should read this book. End quote. The philosophy of Bitcoin delves into the nature of Bitcoin and its political implications. The author, Alvaro Di Maria, with his unique background in philosophy and law, analyzes its innovations and explains why institutions are being challenged as a result of Bitcoin's emergence. In the book, he argues that Bitcoin is comparable to other revolutionary technologies like gunpowder or the internet. 
Through a deep philosophical exploration, readers will learn how Bitcoin is changing the way we think about money, power, and the role of the state in society. According to Maria, Bitcoin redefines the right to property by making it absolute and poses a new challenge to states, opening the door to new political forms by changing the current bargaining power. If gunpowder accelerated the passage from the Middle Ages to the modern age, Bitcoin will help accelerate the passage to the information age. End quote. Duh. The philosophy of Bitcoin is available now in the Bitcoin Magazine shop, and Alvaro Di Maria will be signing copies of his book at 20, Bitcoin 2023 at the book signing booth. This is a unique opportunity for readers to meet the author and delve deeper into the ideas presented in that book. All right, so that's the first publication of the new book publishing arm of Bitcoin Magazine, just so you know. I'm very happy that they chose an English translation of a Spanish book as one of their very first publications. Why? Because Central America is the key. I don't think that, you know, Bitcoin in Africa is any less important. I'm just saying, for some reason, I think Central America is the, that domino drops Man, you get, the rest of the world's got a big mess on their hands when it comes to their legacy financial bullshit. That's all I got to say about that one. ARK Invest and 21 Shares aren't backing down from the Bitcoin ETF bet. Decrypt.co, Matt DeSalvo. The United States crypto industry might be on shaky ground with regulatory saber rattling in Congress, but Kathy Wood's ARK Invest and investment firm 21 shares are still bullish on a Bitcoin exchange traded fund, despite being rejected twice previously. In a refiling on Tuesday, the two again asked the United States Securities and Exchange Commission to approve a Bitcoin spot ETF. They had joined forces in an attempt to launch the product, which would give investors indirect exposure to Bitcoin. The the pair first filed an application with the SEC in June 2021, but the regulator said no. Quote, we recognize that given the current regulatory environment in the United States, the journey to a spot Bitcoin ETF won't happen overnight, but 21 shares is committed to the United States market and advancing a regulated spot crypto product, the company told Decrypt in an email. An ETF, you know what, it's an exchange traded fund. It's a way for pensioners to be able to buy Bitcoin in their retirement accounts and stuff like that. And it's more than that, but it's basically direct I don't know why they say indirect. It's like you own the asset in the fund. The futures ETF is an indirect exposure to Bitcoin. Spot ETF is direct exposure. I think they got that wrong, but whatever. Although futures Bitcoin ETFs have been a success in the U.S., a spot-based product still doesn't exist in the country. A long list of high-profile companies are waiting on approval for a product directly pegged to the price of Bitcoin, but the SEC has been slow to approve a true Bitcoin ETF, citing market manipulation in the industry. You know, do you want a Bitcoin ETF? I'm going to say no. I really, I'm going to say no. And the reason I say no now, I used to think that it would be a good idea, but I did not know the history of gold spot ETF. And it looks like the gold spot ETF is more useful as a tool to suppress the price of gold than anything else. Says that it gives you a direct exposure to gold's price. But I think that that's one of the reasons why no matter what happens to banking, no matter what happens to legacy financial, no matter how bad shit gets in the legacy financial markets, gold continuously is depressed. I don't want the same thing for Bitcoin. I don't hate gold and I don't hate silver. I don't own any physical metal. I don't want to deal with it. And I can't really send it anywhere. That's why I Bitcoin. That's why I buy Bitcoin. That's why I hold Bitcoin. So that I have transmissionable money. Actual, real, useful, high utility money. It's not that I don't think gold isn't useful at all. I just would rather hold Bitcoin, but I don't hate gold and silver. I don't hate metals, but they have their issues. But regardless of all that, it looks to me, given the history of of the introduction of the first spot gold ETF, 
that it's been used primarily to force the price of gold to never be able to peak up above $2,000 per ounce. And a, a long time ago, it was 1400 per ounce. And before that, the ce- there was a ceiling of about like 800, what was it? Can't remember what the price was when they first introduced spot gold. It doesn't matter. It seems to always have been used to, to squelch the rise of gold as a safe haven asset. So I don't want that for Bitcoin. Therefore, I don't want a Bitcoin spot ETF. I think we should get rid of the Bitcoin futures ETFs, but that's not my say. That's going to do it for the uh, morning roundup. Wednesday, hump day, joke day. Dad says jokes. My massage therapist got fired. I guess she rubbed people the wrong way. <laughs> I could rub people the wrong way too, I suppose. Um, I can't believe that this show is clocking in at just over an hour, considering that all the rest that I've been doing lately have been well over the hour mark. This is what I've spo- have been s- supposedly targeting as a time for this podcast uh, ever since its inception. I've always been targeting an hour, and as of late, I've been going over, so I'm not going to do that today. Therefore, I will say goodbye and see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.